welcome to Show Me Mike, the podcast where I talk to other podcasters about their podcasts. You can find it online at goodstuff.fm slash smym or on Twitter at smym underscore fm. I'm your host, Chris Enns, and for this episode, I'm talking really fast. Jason Bryant is the founder of the Matt Talk Podcast Network, a network of shows centered around college and Olympic level wrestling. We talk about the business of running a podcast network and Jason's unique way to make money while doing so. My thanks to Campaign Monitor for sponsoring this episode of Show Me Your Mic. More about them a little later in the show. If you'd like to support me and my podcasting, visit patreon.com slash iChris. No more about that later on this show. For now, here's my conversation with Jason. Your site, your podcast network, is that what do you use that term? Podcast yeah, network? yeah. It, I just I call it a podcast network. I mean, I have a flagship show, but yeah, everything's on matttalkonline.com. And the Matt, meaning wrestling Matt, has nothing to do with my name. So, uh, which is my middle name, go figure, but it has it's totally unrelated. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about Jason Bryant and uh, not Matt. And uh, the shows you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. My counting rights. Shows. Yeah, I distribute. Yeah, I, I host six. I distribute a seventh, and then I also have a main feed that takes every particular show that I do, and that's kind of the general Matt Talk feed. That I don't really push that out a whole lot. I mean, it's there on the site. If if people want to consume that many shows and hearing me specifically talk each week, God bless them. You know, I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, my wife can only listen to me so much. So uh, for for the wrestling <laughs> fan out there that's going to say, "All right, it's another hour of Bryant with Virginia Tech," you know, so. Uh, but yeah, it's it's six shows uh, with the seventh that I kind of record and redistribute as part of my short time feed, and uh, looking to add more. Nice, and the focus being wrestling, uh, college, university level wrestling, right? Is the yeah college Olympic uh, high school? I mean, I, I, I my my flagship show short time that kind of takes uh, and then short time itself is a wrestling term meaning there's like five seconds left on the clock and. I'd started that as like, uh, you know, I was going to do like a sports center update each night so people could wake up in the morning and see what happened the night before, you know, quickly on the drive to work. And then when that season ended, it's like I did interviews and then all of a sudden short time became like uh, a very, very long time. So uh, the reach is, you know, I've got, uh, you know, international wrestling, which is like the Olympic level stuff, college, some of the elite level high school. And then there's the interview section where I, I talk to people that have wrestling backgrounds and things of that nature. And then I get into the show, a super niche with team specific stuff. I have three, three division one colleges here in the U S that, uh, that use my services. And then I'm looking to add things. I've got a, uh, a state chapter organization. So it's all, all wrestling all the time. And, and I consume podcasts that are more than just that niche. I mean, I'm a wrestling junkie, but, uh, you know, I listen to this show, so and I'm going to listen to this show because I'm on it because I'm I'm very 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 egotistical. Right. <laughs> well, well, you should be. That's part of podcasting. I think you have to have a little bit of ego to want to talk into your talk to your computer and hope that the world is going to listen in some way. <laughs> well, it's funny with this podcasting thing. It's it's no longer necessarily a bad thing to be talking into a microphone in your basement at yeah. two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> exactly. Well, there's 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 some years where that was that was a little creepy. Yeah, I mean, you still get, I'm sure you've you experienced this too, you get weird looks from the occasional f- person, real world person who doesn't understand just the idea of sp- spending that much time on a computer, period. But at least now, slowly, they're starting to understand with the success of Serial, etc., that this isn't such a weird thing that someone might pursue this as a hobby slash career, and we'll get into some of that with, with what you're doing. Um, how do you, with the wrestling stuff, how do you keep up with all the, like like you said, the high school, university, college Olympic level stuff, you must be re- you're reading a lot, obviously, of what's been going on because it's not like you're going around to all the you're not flying around the country interviewing folks. You're doing it, you know, presumably online for the most part with Skype, et cetera, like the rest of us. But how do you keep up with just the sport and then talk about it and still run a podcast network on top of that? Um, well, everything I do is wrestling. I've been <laughs> uh, fortunate enough. Um, actually, I just went home to Virginia last week for a tournament that. It was like my 20th year anniversary of attending that tournament. I've been 18 the last 20. My hometown puts it on. It's a big deal. 10 wrestling mats and like 50-something high schools, 20-something colleges. And I got into journalism early. So I've been covering wrestling in some respect since I was 15 years old. And uh, I'm 35 now in case people are wondering how does somebody do this for 20 years and not go insane. Uh, one of the same thing myself. But I, I got into covering wrestling when I started a website in 1997 
for just Virginia high school stuff. I went to college in Virginia at Old Dominion University and just, you know, I've been in the scene. I've been surrounding it. And then I worked with uh, some national outlets, the National Wrestling Coaches Association, uh, USA Wrestling, which is the national governing body uh, for, for Olympic level wrestling. And I've, I've worked for several magazines. So everything that, that I do, um, not everything, obviously I have a family life. So, you know, I, I'm not teaching my daughter inside trips or single leg takedowns, thankfully, uh, good <laughs> yeah, for her. Cause I was a terrible, I was a terrible wrestler oh, yeah. as, as it was, but uh, I, I'm just basically, I'm in, involved in the sport on many different levels. So, um, I've got everyone on every mailing list, my Twitter, you know, my, my tweet deck takes up the entire second, second screen. I follow every college, uh, program. So I keep, I keep up with what's going on. Message boards are a big part of it. And yeah, I do actually attend a lot of tournaments. I attend the national tournaments, uh, the division one championships since 2002, the smaller divisions, the NAIA, the division two and division three championships I've attended. There's a large national tournament in Fargo, North Dakota every year, the junior nationals, which has like 24, 23, 24 wrestling mats. So I've been, I've covered the Olympics and world championships. So I'm involved in this space. So, uh, for me, it's not that hard to, to keep up with everything. People kind of have come to me in the past and at one point, when I was writing and doing the rankings and stuff, a lot of people would bounce me emails. Hey, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? So for me, I'm a wrestling fan, but I've also had that, that journalistic background. I consider myself a professional journalist and broadcaster and, and now professional podcaster. So uh, for, to keep up with it, it's not that hard. It's just like any, any college basketball junkie. You know, they, they right. go out and search stuff out and, and or any CFL junkie for, for you folks living up there in, in Canada. <laughs> nice. You got to put the little Canadian plug every so often. Uh, hey, go Rough Riders. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> They didn't do so well this year, but we'll, we'll be back next year. Uh, At least there's only one Rough Riders now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, there you go. You're showing your true. Uh, it wasn't just a quick Google of, hey, where does Chris live and what's the sports team I can rec- or uh, mention, just like a Spinal Tap moment. But no, nah, dude, I'm a sports junkie. I yeah. mean, I remember when I was a kid <laughs> watching like what, uh, what this is uh, late night ESPN when there was only one of them. They they showed replays of arena football and Canadian Football League stuff. Really? Oh, interesting. I didn't. I wasn't. I'm never sure how much CFL actually gets shown down there, unless you really, really seek it out. But interesting. Anyways, this isn't the the CFL podcast, although there probably should. There probably is. You should some. find a CFL podcaster and see what happens for the for an upcoming show. Yeah, exactly. I know. I got to seek that out. Um, I'm shocked. Actually, this is way off t- tangent, but uh, I'm shocked there isn't already a hardcore Rough Rider. Because if you're not familiar with CFL, Canadian Football League. Saskatchewan Rough Riders, which is the province I'm from, is our football team. Fanatical fans, smallest pro- well, smallest province, yeah, with the most uh, merchandise sales across the country. Because everybody who's born in Saskatchewan generally leaves because it's so freaking cold here, and so we're spread out all across Canada, buying all the merchandise, supporting the team. Anyways, that's for another podcast. I should do. Yeah, you know it's bad when Minnesota, Manitoba people go, man, it's cold over there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> One man, so two people too. Uh, okay, so back to wrestling. The, the quick, quick question I want to get out of the way, or maybe not, but like the uh, what folks often think of these days is like WWE wrestling, all that kind of stuff. But that's not not that you're not interested in that necessarily. But that's not what the the podcast network is about, right? Correct. It's it's all. Uh, I mean, I hate to say this because I, I have I have friends in the in the professional wrestling or sports entertainment world. I usually have to describe it to people as the real stuff. And not this. This isn't a dog a dig at, at professional wrestling because uh, again, it's like I know some people that are involved in that. Those guys are athletes and they are they are performers and they put on a great show. But uh, this stuff is where the, the athletes have dreams of Olympic gold and world championship stuff and and college national championships and stuff like that. So that's that's the level of wrestling I'm at. I mean, you've seen some of the crossovers. You know, Kurt Angle probably being the the biggest name that that came over with the Olympic credentials, Brock Lesnar was an NCAA wrestling champion at, at Minnesota. So you see those guys that come in and there's a little bit of crossover there, but uh, yeah, it's, it's all the, 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 I hate to use the term amateur because right, yeah. you know, there are, I mean, the senior level guys, this is their job. I mean, they're professional athletes that are, that are training to make the Olympic and world team. So um, they are professionals, but uh, you know, I guess for separation purposes, they call it amateur wrestling. But uh, I just, I just say wrestling, Olympic level wrestling is kind of yeah. how I, I just uh, describe it. And so now you're making, as you mentioned in your bio to me, and I think it's on your site too, but this is basically a, a, a business, a thing that you're doing. Is it full-time that you're able to do it already or or near full-time as far as the podcasting side of things? Or is it kind of like a bunch of stuff combined allows you to do this all full-time? Well, when I used to work at a newspaper in Newport News, Virginia, a guy that was kind of my mentor, he actually said, you're going to be the first guy I know to make a million dollars with 50,000 W-2s. So uh, I have been the king of the freelance for 
uh, a long time. I, I do a lot of freelance work. I've done TV for Fox College Sports and, and things of that nature. And I have some relationships where, uh, you know, monthly I do some blogs and things and I get paid for them. But all of that coming into it, and this is this is basically what I consider my pilot year of the Matt Talk Podcast Network because I looked at it and said, when I came up with a concept, I was like, how many shows is it going to take for me to replace my income at the job I was at previously that, um, you know, had some issues with paying me on time. So I've already hit that point. And thankfully, to, to use another football phrase, I did outpunt my coverage when uh, I met my current wife. So, um, you know, it, it, thankfully, I'm in a situation where the entire household isn't dependent on podcasting income, but it has replaced my income, at least here in this first year. And it, it, it's I was actually pretty pleased by the response. And now that I've got those shows, the, the issues, it all comes in in bulk. So budgeting and time management becomes a big thing on the financial side, but I'm 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 kind of hustling a little bit, trying to get some more shows to, you know, to to make sure everything is covered. But uh, yeah, this is the idea, and hopefully, ne- when next college wrestling season rolls around in October, I'll have uh, ten to twelve shows that that I'll produce, and that'll be pretty much all I do. You know, I'll still keep that freelance stuff because nobody's going to turn down money. I mean, come on. <laughs> and so that's what is the college uh, the wrestling season. Uh, the collegiate wrestling season practice typically starts October competition, November, and the finale of the ends in the third weekend in March with the NCAA division one championships, the international wrestling season kind of goes year round. And, but the focus becomes more international freestyle and Greco Roman, uh, based, which are the different styles that vary from the American collegiate and high school style that usually really kicks up in the spring goes through the summer. So I'm really it, the season never ends, if you ask my wife. So uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm, sure. I'm always somewhere. But uh, the the collegiate season goes uh, from you know typically October to March, and then with these shows, I'm I'm planning things to where we interview once once the season's over. I don't need to interview the coaches and athletes about what's going on. Then I'll move on to the administrators and the alumni and the business people in uh, that are tied to those programs that have ties to the university so where the the show in the off season really becomes kind of a selling point for the program and schools are going to be using that to to recruit athletes and and inform parents and things of that nature nice so with the the business of it first we'll get into some of the sort of interviews and the, and the tools and stuff you're using a bit later but with sort of running this thing where you've got these uh i don't know if you call them sub hosts or co-hosts or whatever of, of the different shows that the uh, like school specific shows that you have right now or um what's the sort of model that you're using to bring these shows like like you said you're making some money here so obviously there's money changing hands somewhere but what's the the model you're using is it sort of sponsorship or they pay you or how do you work that out well what i came up with is the the school itself contracts me to do it and i go through and i make sure that these schools don't have any uh contractual issues with maybe the tv networks or their their uh, sports products entities because a lot of these schools are tied with radio stations and whatnot. And being in a smaller sport that's typically not regarded as a revenue sport, the contractually, it's usually not an issue. And I haven't crossed that bridge yet. So, but that, that option is there. So I, I make the pitch. I said, Hey, here's what I can do. Here's, here's the reach of what podcasts are. I have to educate them on what podcasts are. And basically I formulated to say, Hey, this is a coach's show. Here, here in the U.S., almost every college basketball and football team at the big Division One level has a coach's show on the radio somehow. Uh, I'm not sure how many of them are podcasting, but you see a lot of fan podcasts, but very few are actually official from the school uh, that are actually done right. They're actually on iTunes. They're actually distributed through Stitcher. Some schools are doing it, and they'll, they'll call it a podcast, and they might have that, that dreaded I, ITPC link right. uh, you know, where you can't <laughs> track everything. I can tell them. I track the stats, and you know, it, it's my pitch is, is you can do a podcast or you can do it right. And I'm not trying to branch out beyond my niche. I mean, I'm not trying to get into soccer or softball or any of those other things and try to corner the market by any means. Cause I, one, I wouldn't have the time I'm interested in wrestling. So the pitch is, is one, it's my name. I mean, my name's fairly, uh, positively viewed in the sport of wrestling. <laughs> right. My now, you know, I've got my detractors just like any sports writer does. Uh, but that's kind of the pitch. I'm selling myself. I'm selling what I can do for the program. I can selling that I'm doing all the work for you. And, you know, I, I host, edit, produce, distribute, and I do, I take everything out of their hands. They just need a blessing. I just need a blessing. And then, you know, I sign a contract and I, I, they can redline whatever they need. I get logo approval. So, uh, you know, if iTunes comes at me and says, Hey, you've got a, got a logo. We saw that with major league baseball. 
right. with uh, yeah. their podcast. But uh, I've got contracts with with the three schools that I've got right now, one of which is in the Big Ten, which is kind of a nice little thing to have that I've got a Big Ten program. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I formulate a contract. First of all, a lot of it's based on personal relationships. I've known these coaches for a long time. So it is uh, easy for me to get in the door and, you know, I, I meet with them at conventions and tournaments and, you know, sometimes a bar after a tournament and, you know, I'll start the you know, little light sales pitch and, you know, generally the response is pretty good. So I think next year is really when I'm going to get a bunch of people going, okay, you know, cause they got to look at budgets and things. So, um, yeah. you know, basically I charge them a flat fee. I have a setup fee for the first year, which covers all my hosting, uh, fees. Cause I get that paid for up front. So I don't want to dig out of my pocket to, you know, come out with something. I, I got to come out ahead on this. So, you know, that's, that's kind of how it says. And then I'll waive that setup fee for moving forward, but uh, I'm not moving forward yet because we're not in year two with any of my shows. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think that that idea, well, two things there that you said that really struck out, stuck out to me is the putting in the time to like, it's not just, uh, I, I think of people who have an idea for a podcast, but have no sort of skin in the game, so to speak of, you know, history with a, say a sport or a, whatever the niche is that they want to get into and then think they'll just cold call people and they'll want to be on a podcast with this stranger. Whereas you've obviously put in the time and, and spent the nights and days traveling and et cetera and watching the sport. And then, uh, but also with the, with setting up, setting this thing up as a business and being in an attempt to be profitable, obviously there's, sometimes it feels like profit is a dirty word in podcasting. Like it's supposed to all be free and we're all supposed to just be having fun and doing it for the love of it, which is certainly there, I'm sure. But if you want to be around next year and, you know, be able to feed your daughter, like you said, and, and things like that, nice things like that, <laughs> you kind of need to make money at it too, which I don't think is a any problem or whatever. So um, is it, has it been a, a hard sell on that part or is I would think maybe working with universities sometimes it's a little bit easier where they do have budget for a bit of marketing and things or, or what's the the struggle there been well some schools uh, you got to find the right type of school because uh, the, the way the college athletics landscape is there's haves and there's have-nots and I, when I started this concept I was thinking like what okay what college wrestling programs already do this or they have some type of show and I saw them and I'm like, okay, those are not my targets. They've already got something. I'm looking for a school that I know that, that has a good fan base, uh, a school that's kind of you know, improving and they have good things going on with social media. Uh, they've got followings. And I know that they might have money in the budget to do something like this. So, uh, you know, the Big Ten gets, gets a ton of, uh, ton of money from the Big Ten Network. I got a couple Big Ten targets for next year. But again, this first year, I want to show them proof of concept. I want to show them that hey, this, this works for these schools. So that's kind of where these personal relationships come in the first time is like the my alma mater was the first one to jump on at Old Dominion. And then Virginia Tech, which is actually one of their rival programs, uh, being from Virginia, two of my show, two of my schools are from uh, Virginia. You know, I, I pitched their coach this thing for about 20 seconds before he said yes. So nice. uh, some of the sales are a little tougher. There's some people I've been talking, you know, every now and then I'll see them up. I won't, I won't hound them on it, but uh, they seem interested and I'll just kind of let them wait until – uh, that comes around the next year, but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's getting the contracts and then school is what I worried about the most because some places also have an ad if the booster club or wrestling club wants to pay for it. Yeah, sure. Why not? But I, I've actually been surprised at the three schools that I had, you know, having conversations with their athletic department, um, and, and coming up with a contract has been extremely, extremely good. I mean, it's been easy. I can tell them, Hey, whatever you need, it's your show. And one, one, eight, one AD at, at Maryland goes, hey, can we sell advertising on top of this? This is absolutely, you know, I just want my fee covered. If they want to sell $10,000 of sponsorship, you know, to pay for it and then have, you know, the, the excess 5K, yeah, you keep that. So, you know, they have, I'm not in the, in the, in the business of selling ads for my particular shows. Uh, I am kind of pushing um, sponsorship for my, the network as a whole, like, a, you know, I have a network sponsor type of thing, but, uh, you know, dealing with the schools has actually been fairly easy. Once you get in that door, you got to have a coach that wants to push it and, you know, basically have the AD sign off on it. Um, like Virginia tech's probably my, my champion, uh, type of podcast right now because their athletic department was cool with it. Their sports information media relations office was cool with it, cool with it. So, you know, I, I got one show, I got three shows that say, Hey, this is how we did it in our department. So now I can go next year and when these questions come up, well, how do we pay for it, blah, blah, blah. It's like, here's what these schools have done. So, yeah, uh, you know, that's that's kind of been been beneficial in the year one. Yeah, that proof of concept, exactly. And you often just need one or two, like you said. Um, and and picking the, the as they sometimes say, like low-hanging low fruit as far as the easy ones rather than going after the maybe the big 
fish or whatever. I'm mixing all sorts of analogies. <laughs> but uh, got to get you like a proverb proverb book or something. Yeah. Just mix and match. Oh, sorry, I don't want. <laughs> but yeah, Udock exactly. Saints reference here for you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and and sort of go after like a friend or a family or a, a friend of a friend or whatever that can get you in the door at least, and which kind of makes sense. But sometimes I think we we shoot too high initially, and then we get disappointed when we can't get uh, whatever. Some I don't I don't know what the big school in wrestling would be, but the University of Saskatchewan maybe wouldn't won't do it or whatever. Um, yeah, I'm not going after Regina right yet. Right. <laughs> Although they do have a pretty good wrestling program. <laughs> nice. But it's different. They wrestle the freestyle. The CIS schools are slightly different than the uh, the American colleges. Oh, there we go. Um, and so, are you on each of the shows as well? So, like, I'm curious about that process of. Uh, you know, a school pays you to first set up, and I understand that part, and the, and the hosting fees for the files, and, and you know, setting up the website and all that kind of stuff all makes sense from just you know web perspective. But then the actual podcasts themselves, how much of your day to day or week to week involvement are you with with them on the shows themselves? I host and edit every single show, so I basically have it set up. It's like, hey, welcome to Inside Virginia Tech Wrestling. Today we're talking with you know, we talk with a coach and a couple athletes or whatnot. So. I'm the host for all of them, okay, gotcha. uh, at least right now. I, I think when I get, maybe if I get to a different point, I got a, a, another friend of mine within wrestling who's got um, got a wrestling broadcasting voice and he can ask good questions. So when I get to the point where I might need some help, I'm going to have probably somebody come in and you know we'll we'll split the revenue that type of thing. But that, that's kind of been the pitch is I host the show. I mean I've got a couple couple wrestling awards with broadcasting and writing. So and I mentioned that in the intro. So like a first time listener for a certain show goes, oh, okay, this guy is supposed to know what he's talking about. Now, that's it remains to be seen whether I do or not, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I do the hosting, and, and that's that's the discussion. I mean, I know these programs. I mean, I can probably – that was one of my pitch uh, elements is I can go to any coach in this country and have a conversation about what's going on with their program, you know, w- w- just because I, I follow it so much. So uh, that's going to be – that's kind of a selling point, selling me and my knowledge. So – uh, when I, I host everything right now, so uh, my national show it's it's a, it's a solo show, but I do ha- do have interviews, and then uh, the 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 other shows I I am host of. In some cases, we'll have three four guests, and I just merely serve as a moderator or pitch questions out, and then they have a discussion, and then we follow up that way. Nice. And is it a, are they weekly shows, or or what's the frequency for for the sort of sub whatever uh, the other shows that you do, like not your your national show. Well, uh, well, the national show is twice a week, and then there's the On the Mat, which is what I, I put into the short time feed. That's weekly from the National Wrestling Hall of Fame's Dan Gable Museum, which is out in Iowa. They do a show on the radio there, and I actually record that through uh, Audio Hijack because they don't have a way to actually <laughs> save and distribute and upload it. So I just do it right then and there. Uh, the other shows, um, the Virginia USA Wrestling Show, which is a state chapter, that's once a month. And then the team shows... And then the uh, World Wrestling Resource, those are twice a month. So I'm keeping a, a calendar and I, I balance it out. So sometimes based on schedule, I might have to record three team shows a week and then sometimes it's two and one. So when I, when I get more shows, I'm going to start balancing it to where I, I'll be in a situation where I will not have to record 10 shows in one week. I'll, I'd split it up five and five, uh, you know, making sure that the information about upcoming matches and recaps are in there. So it stays timely, at least for that two-week window. And then we come up to another one because based on what I've seen with a lot of podcasting uh, things is, you know, two twice a month seems to work pretty well. Weekly seems to work pretty well. But weekly with too many clients might be overkill. And it was actually one coach gave me an idea. He goes, hey, you know, don't don't do it every week. You'll kill yourself. And I, th- I thought about it. I looked at the schedules like, yeah, that makes a good point. So I came up with a, a nice number that works and then a number of shows and came up with basically what it what it breaks down to for uh, for lack of a better term studio time so if they were to go to a radio station what would they be getting and i would you know, obviously i'm at a radio station i don't command that that type of fee so i came up with something that works so uh yeah frequency twice a month twice a month with uh, the team specific shows uh i will have a custom one like the virginia usa chapter which is like a grassroots youth wrestling organization uh they they want to do once a month so i i scale it down to cost and you know there's the payment options are different some schools pay up front and then some people are being billed monthly so i'm willing to work with anybody who wants to work with me on that respect nice yeah i think that's a great way like often our our um at least maybe just my circles but we it tends to be more of the like here's the show and we'll get sponsors and that's how we'll all get paid together we'll split the sponsors and that's a bit of what good stuff does we'll cover a sponsor in a moment but uh but I think that idea of um, – and then there's the podcasting consultant stuff where, like, you could 
like you alluded to, you're not going outside your niche right now, but you, you know, people do the, I'll help other people do podcasting and, and sort of that idea and charge them for that. But I think your model kind of is, is interesting and, um, I guess keeps it all very simple for you, I think is what it feels like. I'm not, not that there isn't a lot of work involved, obviously, but, but there isn't hustling after sponsors every week that might change. You're signing, you know, like you said, not maybe it's a six month or maybe it's always a year contract or whatever, but you know, and then you know that that's happening for a year and next year you have to re- renew hopefully and all that kind of stuff and add new shows, but it's not this sort of weekly or monthly grind of finding new sponsors all the time and, and, and or new clients all the time that to fill the, the void of a previous client that's now done and gone on or whatever. So, um, yeah, I think it's a it's a really neat model, and I, the 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 idea that you're sticking within your niche, and and you know obviously t- things change. Who knows what happened in ten years with podcasting? But um, talk a bit about I guess sort of the temptation might be there. I would think sometimes to like go bigger with whatever, like the the Vince McMahon show or some sort of like real not real wrestling, but you know what I mean, sports entertainment wrestling or something to like try and gain new listeners that way outside of your niche, but. Sticking within the niche, you found sort of the fans that are there and and are supporting you and sort of growing with them. Yeah, and there's a little bit of crossover, and I think the 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 obvious crossover is with mixed martial arts because right. we see a lot of uh, college and Olympic level wrestlers that move on that uh, they may not be. Uh, or they, they might give the Olympics a run for a cycle, a four year cycle, and then they they've got bills to pay in the MMA world, the UFC, Bellator. Uh, all these organizations are are attractive because wrestlers do extremely well in the UFC. I mean, uh, take the uh, the cocaine charge out of it from Johnny or the from uh, the the failed drug test from John Jones at the last UFC. John Jones and Daniel Cormier were wrestlers. Uh, John Jones won a, a junior college championship at Iowa Central. Was one of the uh, good high school wrestlers coming out, and you know he he would have had Division One looks, but he started to fight. And Daniel Cormier is an All American at Oklahoma State, was a two time Olympian, World Bronze medalist. So when I have guests that have wrestling backgrounds from MMA, I get a little bit of that crossover. So um, and when I get MMA fans listening, I want to make sure I'm educating them about wrestling because you know the MMA fans may not always have been wrestling fans. So that's that's one of the crossover things where I'll, I'll get guests. Uh, Chael Sonnen does a show on Podcast One now. And uh, it's called You're Welcome. And it, it's, it's, this guy is just an awesome mouthpiece in terms of what he, he'll say things. I mean, he's like the heel. You know, he, he's the bad guy. He, say, he says things that just fires people up. I had him on my show, and it was one of my best shows uh, in terms of statistics on my national short time show. So you get a little bit of that. I've had Phil Davis on, Bubba Jenkins, some guys that have been fighting in the UFC and Bellator. So um, it's, it's niche, but there is that crossover, but they are tied to the niche. Um, actor Nate Parker was uh, he was in um, he was beyond the lights right now that might still be in theaters but he's been in Red Tails and Pride and the Great Debaters and he was a, he was an All American wrestler at Oklahoma he's from my area back in Virginia so there's that tie in uh, Miss Virginia USA last year she was a high school wrestler uh, Sage Karam who raced in the Indy 500 had placed in the top ten he was a high school wrestler that year so there's that crossover where I might get. Uh, other sports fans listening based on the relationship with wrestling. And then maybe I might've had a couple uh, indie, indie, indie fans listen to that show. So right. if I can educate them on wrestling, that's, that's a, uh, that's a win for me. Yeah. And so the numbers, as far as downloads, aren't as interesting to you, I guess you, you said you have like sort of trying to get network sponsorship. And so that could you know, obviously download numbers will help there. But in terms of the, the breakdown, I guess, of money coming into you sponsors versus clients paying you to host, is it kind of like majority, would be clients paying you and sponsors kind of like extra gravy right now, or how does that sort of break down for you? Well, I got one sponsor that's, that serves as the sponsor for the short time show, which is, you know, that's the one I did on my own. And then I got a sponsorship. So basically everything that I do right now, save the, uh, the hall of fame show. I've kind of been doing that as a favor for, I guess the last four or five years that I record it and put it out with whatever company I was with. But uh, yeah, everything is, is basically money in. So, uh, I won't start a new show unless I have have a way to pay for it. Mm-hmm. It's which is a smart idea, obvi- and it sounds obvious again. But I, uh, I know here at Good Stuff we suffer from that sort of like it's it's easy to start new things and uh, hard to continue them sometimes, and especially uh, if you just start them on a on a whim or an idea, start a new show without sort of like the business backing behind it. Eventually, ten episodes, fifteen, whatever it might be, in you're going to be kind of tired because the if it's not paying your bills, you're not eating as well <laughs> or whatever the case may be, whatever your situation is. But making that 
sort of business case for a show rather than just because you think it's a good idea and people will listen, which is fun when it's a hobby. But um, yeah, the business side of it is is something that's interesting. And that's something I haven't talked about a lot on the show, actually, is numbers and dollars and stuff. And um, But I thought it'd be interesting to talk with you about that just because you are sort of, you alluded to that in your, what you sent me in just the, this sort of work in progress uh, podcast network site with a bit different spin on, on doing things that I think is really interesting. So um but speaking of business, I need to pause for some business. <laughs> to, <laughs> terrible segue. To uh, thank our sponsor for this episode, which is Campaign Monitor, which we use here at goodstuff.fm slash newsletter to send out our own uh, This Week in Good Stuff newsletter. So you can sign up there and check it out. With Campaign Monitor, you can set up an uh, email template, get going in about 60, se- 60 seconds. It's a beautiful responsive template, so it'll look good on the phones and the tablets and the devices that people are using all over the place these days you don't have to worry about all the stuff if you do any web design like i do it's a pain to try and make sure your sites look great on the newest iphone 6 plus and also the android something or others from three years ago campaign monitor takes care of all of that for you they uh, offer a geolocation segments where you can send personalized emails to certain areas of the world if you have uh, subscribers from different parts of the world you can segment them out so you can make sure that they get information that's relative to their area of the world and uh, also they have a great ios app called monitor that you can use to track and be alerted to news about your campaigns right on your phone and ipad so check out campaignmonitor.com and get started today my thanks to campaign monitor for supporting good stuff and showing me your mic okay so Talking uh, a bit of the tools and gear that you're using, the uh, one thing I'm curious about, because it sounds like you have a lot of, uh, it, there's a lot of um, communication going on. And so tips and tools for managing some of the, like setting up interviews and keeping track of who's doing where and who you've talked to and any of that kind of stuff. Is this an area that uh, you're, you're good at or is it a struggle <laughs> as it is for me anyways? I know keeping track of who's who I've talked to and when, when an upcoming interview is up and preparing and all that kind of stuff how do you sort of manage all that uh, i believe it's called iCal and a uh <laughs> and, and a printed version of said iCal because oh, nice. you know i'm still one of these people who likes to write things down and keep it in front of me because i don't always have my apps open so as i look at my january calendar it's like okay this week uh this week i'm good i have i think i have two calls this week for the extra shows and then i'll have my my two other shows but when it comes to setting settling a guest during the summertime is when i usually do some more of the advanced recording and and have them you know two three in the in the hole uh with the college season the way it is you got to stay somewhat timely because with short time the the national show uh that that's stuff that people want to hear about that's 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 a hot topic so i'm usually within if something happens on a weekend and if i can get them for the monday show that's great if i you know if i can't I've at least got it through Friday. And with college athletes and college coaches, you go through the sports information office to, and in most cases, those SIDs know who I am and they're like, okay, yeah, that's cool. Go ahead. You can talk to them. Just letting them know that I've got an interview coming up. Uh, and then uh, they use it with social media, but you know, coordinating them is pretty simple since I, you know, I've, I looked at my phone, I have 1700 numbers in my iPhone. So if I lose that thing and it's every college coach in the country, a lot of athletes, and I'll just keep it, you know, if there's something notable that happens, or if there's a big upset or there's a huge t- team performance, I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll send a text or an email. Like, hey, I want, what's good for you? You had an opportunity to, to talk or interview for 20, 25 minutes. And, you know, usually that's pretty receptive. Sometimes I have to wait a week. Like with the MMA guys, it's, it's on the UFC schedule on when they have conference calls and things of that nature. But usually these college coaches that aren't part of my, my network as it is that I want to give for short time, they're extremely easy to get. The athletes are extremely easy to get. It's just making sure that you work with their schedules. Uh, sometimes they're done at night after their classes and practices are over. But, uh, you know, with, with short time, I'm usually – I don't have a show for Friday, for example, as we record this right now. But uh, I will, once I look through all the rankings and things are coming up, uh, you know, I'll have that taken care of. And, you know, usually it's just just a flow. It's like, OK, I got to usually stay one ahead. And if not, I mean, I've usually got no shortage of people that want to be on the show for some reason or another. But, you know, making sure it's tied in topically uh, is, is key because you don't want to interview somebody that did something big two months ago. And, you know, th- it's not mm-hmm. truly evergreen during the season. During the off season, I think that stuff becomes evergreen because I'm usually talking to people that are that are names that are like, hey, which, what are you doing these days? That type of thing. So, right. uh, you know, getting guests and scheduling is, is not a huge deal. It's it's more or less balancing the the team shows 
and making sure, you know, one, one Tuesday, I think I had five interviews back to back to back to back to back. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I don't use a scheduler. It's usually just other than, uh, I, I put it on my iCal, it sends me updates and, and I write it down. So yeah. that's pretty much how I balance everything. You're like, a, it's almost like you're a responsible adult or something. I, I I'm not familiar yeah, with that, but and if you knew me in college, I was in college for seven years. If if you knew me then, it would be like, "What are you? Whoa, you grew up, dude." <laughs> yeah, well, and, yeah, I don't know what you would having kids definitely helps you uh, realize the need for a schedule because uh, they kind of force it on you sometimes. But uh, yeah, we're and we're potty training right now, so oh, that's yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that adds a whole other level of uh, poop to deal with. Um, the uh, the I guess the the nice thing with your niche again is that these sports guys uh, teams and and folks are familiar with probably getting you know requests from newspaper requests from radio requests from local TV or whatever the you know wherever their level is but it's not that unfamiliar whereas often I I think again I think podcasters they'll pick their their thing their topic but they go into it and the folks they're trying to talk to have no idea about why someone would want to talk to them on a podcast and then what a podcast is, et cetera. And so, um, again, just helping hopefully listeners think about what a show that they might be interested in doing a topic they might pursue and then thinking through the idea of actually, um, getting guests on the show and how that would actually play out in the conversation. Cause it's, it's one thing as an idea, but then yeah, in practice, sort of like this show where it's pretty easy for me to approach other podcasters about, about talking about themselves. Cause that's what they love to do. And, it's, it's been fairly easy to get guests on, but uh, other shows I've tried much harder to convince folks. I, I've tried, like a, for example, a local business interview show, just trying to highlight local businesses. And people are just kind of like, we're busy. I don't have time to talk on a podcast because I'm running a business. <laughs> um, but I digress. The uh, What kind of gear and stuff, let's talk, talk that, that you're using to record your shows with these days? And what how has it changed? Or are you still sort of using the same stuff you started with? Or what, uh, starting with your mic, I guess, and working your way down. <laughs> yeah, it's been a bit of an evolution. I started out because I had a little portable broadcast unit when I worked at USA Wrestling that would be, you know, it was a little Mackie uh, four channel with two mic input or two or four mic inputs. It's in my drawer here. I don't use it anymore. And I had an Audio-Technica headset that I was using that I would typically use for broadcast. And I started doing it. Then I actually started recording on Audacity and had an old MacBook Pro that I'd been using for, at that time, probably six year, five, six years. And you know, things, things are going. And then I started listening to the audio quality. And then I start, you know, uh, listening to, to Jan, Daniel J. Lewis and Dave Jackson, and Ray Ortega and Cliff Ravenscraft and, you know, the pod fathers or the tripods or whatever you want to call them. I've kind of given Dave, Daniel and Ray the, the tripods moniker, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah, so it started with that, and then I started listening to it, and then I got in a situation. I got my computer was pretty much no longer really um, functional as a day to day device. I got a new MacBook, and it didn't have the audio ins and out, the line in and the microphone type of thing. So I was looking at, like, okay, what do I do? And then um, as as I moved up, I was researching things, and I found this Yamaha MG one hundred two C, which is a good little board. It's lightweight. It, it doesn't take up a huge bit of my desk. And, uh, with that, I took that into a Behringer USB interface so I can bring in, uh, I've got a, you know, soundboard pro that I use if I want to do anything like live to tape. I typically, typically don't, but, uh, you know, I've got some functionality I record everything through uh ecam call recorder as a backup. That's not my main way of recording, but I got a Roland RO five external that I record to, um, I've actually just purchased a, a zoom H five for when I'm on the road and traveling. So, um, you got a boom arm. Currently, the microphone I'm using, and this is back with the headset, it, it didn't sound, um, you know, crisp and clear. So, and of course, everybody loves to push the ATR2100. And from uh, my price point, I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And I like like the quality. I'm not into the condenser mics because, you know, I, I live in a house. So when, you know, you hear that heater come on or the yeah. <laughs> the, the kid running around upstairs, you know, banging on the floor, it's like, okay. Uh, you know, but yeah, basically my setup now, I've got a USB interface through my Yamaha, um, ATR 2100. I got a boom mic, windscreen. Uh, I got a second screen for, you know, other things that I keep up. Um, like if I'm keeping an eye on Twitter, I typically don't do anything when I'm recording a show, kind of like now I've, I've shut down everything. So uh, I've got a couple different ways to do it. But and that's that's pretty much the, the meat and potatoes. Like I can bring in an iPad, uh, iPod if I want to. I don't do anything with the iPad yet because my daughter pretty much that makes it hers. <laughs> uh, I think uh, I had Boss Jock on it and uh, never actually used it once for podcasting once that we downloaded Frozen 
onto the iPad. So right. uh, that is her frozen in YouTube machine. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, it, I keep it pretty simple. You know, I subscribe to that keep it simple stupid theory. And, you know, I've got a couple mics that I can come in. I've actually had one guest in, in studio, and I would uh, bring up a sep- separate mic. So I've got my, my mobile unit, which is the H5, a couple mics. I actually take four mics because I've got the add-on extender to add the two extra XLRs. But uh, at home, and mainly that was because I didn't want to keep taking down my studio equipment, my microphone and, and other stuff, and taking it with me and have to plug it back in. So, uh, you know, at, at home, the Roland R05 works good. I, I run one audio channel left, one audio channel right. So if there's that situation where you cough or you talk over people, it's easy to do it in post editing. So um, editing, I use Audition now because uh, when I got this new computer, I was in a situation where I was doing a lot of design for a magazine I was working for. And the creative cloud seemed to make most sense. And I was like, well, I've got Audition. I might as well use it. So I started playing around with it. And, you know, it, it, it's pretty much a simple, simple process. Now I record, take the card, throw it in. You know, separate audio left and right, bring it into audition, make sure I cut out a lot of the. I don't go in crazy with the uhs and, you know, taking that stuff out. Now, if there's a guest that's that's uh and uh and uh, I'll do some extra editing on that. But hardware, MacBook Pro, yeah, Yamaha MG102C. I haven't gone with a, a full USB uh, interface out of a board yet. I don't know if I'll do that because I kind of like the setup I got now. Nice. That was good. That's good. The uh, I've heard a lot about the Zoom H5 as far as a field recorder kind of idea. And so you've have you had a chance to use that yet in the field, or is it uh, you just picked it up? You mentioned. Yeah, I got it about two weeks ago, and I used it this weekend down at the uh, Virginia Duels. So I was interviewing a couple of people, and the first one, you know, you got to be careful. I mean, it's, it's nice. It's got the gain control right there with the knobs, and you know, sometimes some people talk louder than others. And I actually run the uh, ATR AT two. 2005 into that. I got a couple of those because they're pretty much the same thing as the 2100 and they were unclear. I got them, uh, three of them for like 30 bucks each. So I made sure as oh, I nice. saw that those specials, I just loaded up on them. So I've got actually five microphones that I use, but, uh, the, the zoom it's, I like it. It's a little funky to, to figure out when you are moving tracks over, if you're recording in separate tracks, cause like with the Roland, you know, it was just one track and then you could split the wave. This one, you can do the same thing. But for the most part, I'm recording with just one microphone when I'm on the field. I don't use the top condenser mics because it, it just picks up on so much. So uh, and when I was doing these interviews, you had the PA announcer going off in the background, and that would have just drowned everything out. So I like it. I'm still learning how to use it because uh, I'm waiting to do a situation where I have like three, four people uh, sitting in a hotel room, and we'll, we'll talk about previewing a tournament or something. So uh, that'll really be my first test. But uh, I've, I've done other stuff with, with the mobile where I took a – uh, an XLR to a quarter inch or an eighth inch jack into the top of, excuse me, 3.5 millimeters for those of you that use the metric system like you guys up there in Canada <laughs> and, uh, you know, recorded that. And, you know, that's, that's pretty much, I like the Zoom H5. I just, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a learning curve, but uh, it, it hasn't been too difficult this, thus far. Right. Uh, so I, I like the, I like it and it always gets you looks. You're like, what is that, a taser? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it can report a podcast with a taser because exactly. the way the, the two condenser mics are XY on that thing. Yeah. <laughs> And so you're doing sort of like the the sportscaster interview style where you're just passing the mic back and forth between you and, and uh, thus far anyways, like you said, with the one mic, right? Or yeah, I hold the mic. Uh, if we're standing up, I hold the mic. And in some cases, I had Mike Golick from uh, ESPN on my show back in May, and we were sitting at a golf course, and I just handed the mic back and forth between him, uh, him and I and uh, cut out the little, the, the, the little, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. the, the little, uh, the, the, the cables picking up. But yeah, that's that's pretty much how I've done it. Nice. And is that, would you say like the, again, uh, maybe this is a recurring theme on this show just because I've been process or thinking about it, I guess, more, but that idea of sort of getting out of your um, Skype call conversation for podcasting as the the primary way of doing it. And, and obviously lots of times it's necessity just because the person's on the other side of the country or whatever. But just that idea of, of going in and doing interviews in person has helped the show hinders or is just kind of like no different for you? It's no different because if I'm in a situation where I'm at a place and I can get a good interview, I can get it. And that, that's one thing you don't – and I don't trust my phone enough to do an interview where I'm holding my phone up talking back and forth to somebody because who knows when – you know, you can set it on do not disturb mode, but you know what? People forget to do that. So when you've got a, a recording device and a microphone, I think people that might not know you – like if I see you know, Mike Golick, for example, if I was going to interview him with a phone – I wonder what his thoughts would have been on how legitimate this interview would have been. So right. you know, having at least some type of recorder when you're in the field really, I think, adds a little bit more credibility 
to what people were trying to do. I remember people used to carry around the uh, the Marantz tape deck ones that had the arm strap, you know, those right. those things, you know. <laughs> I remember seeing people do that. So Uphill both ways. Yeah, yeah. in the snow. Exactly. <laughs> cool. Well, that's, a, that's a nice little uh, uh, gear bag or whatever, I guess, of, of gear that you've got uh, to play with and mess around with. So, um, and uh, yes, definitely going to, I'm going to investigate the Zoom H5 as something to check into for portability but um all right in uh, in wrapping up the last thing i ask folks is uh some of the podcasts you're listening to and also the app or apps you happen to listen to them with uh i don't know if you have your device of choice handy but uh while you're grabbing that he's jason's gonna actually if he may have done this already i turned off my email but uh, sending me a photo of his gear for the podcast page which you can check out at goodstuff.fm slash smym slash 67 is where this interview will live on in uh, indefinitely, as long as good stuff hangs around. And uh, you can check out a photo of his gear as well as all the links and stuff that we've talked about on the show will be there as well. So um, did I give you enough time to pull out your... What do you listen to podcasts with? Uh, usually either at my desk through iTunes or uh, on my phone. I'll, you know, I typically when I go to sleep at night, I'll throw in a podcast that, you know, based on the length. I think there was one episode of the new media show with uh, Todd Cochran that I was listening to. So uh, his, his shows are typically an hour and 15 to an hour and 30 minutes. And I remember it took me like four times to listen to it because I kept falling asleep because I was so tired. I was like, man, you know what? I got to I gotta find a show that's like 15 minutes that I can listen to before I go to sleep because I, I keep having to re-download it because uh, I use the iPhone. I got a 5S right now. But uh, typically use the podcast app there on the phone. I download a lot of them before I, I travel, so I'll load up. Uh, in an airport before I get on the plane and my wife gets on me because it's uh, if I'm not connected to the Wi-Fi, it's it's hitting the data. Uh, so I've already gone over uh, my data like twice in the last two months while traveling. <laughs> but uh, yeah, usually it's the podcast app and I've got apps for three of my shows. And then uh, typically, you know, if I'm driving and I don't want to hit and I'm in a bad, bad range, I'll, I'll use Stitcher for certain shows that I subscribe to, you know, I'll shows through Stitcher and iTunes if I know or podcast app if I know I'm going to be traveling that way you know the the lower bandwidth charge is, is going to work but you know I keep a lot of apps on my phone just to product test my own stuff you know I'm my right. show's actually my short time show's actually on iHeartRadio it's the only uh pro, you know college wrestling show on on iHeartRadio there's a ton of professional wrestling ones out there so I keep iHeartRadio there just to see what my show is tune in I mean I use Downcast I mean I've been putting my stuff on on SoundCloud as a like fourth or fifth leg of distribution. I just want to see what type of listeners it gets and if it's worth using my time. But yeah, how, uh, how have you, uh, like iHeartRadio and so how have you sort of found the distribution? Because that's a, another common sort of stress or question for podcasters is do I put it on all this stuff or do, do I worry about that and just focus on it? Because it does take a lot of, it takes time to publish. You know, I was stunned when uh, iHeartRadio approved my my request because, you know, looking through it and you got to go through Spreaker, which uh, I actually like Spreaker. I'm actually seeing some pretty decent numbers on people discovering it there. And granted, uh, all on all the show pages, there's different ways you can iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, you know, tune in that uh, particular shows that I put on on those things. And uh, iHeartRadio, my numbers have not been uh, much to write home about because it's just I don't think college wrestling fans are are using right. that. I think a lot of people are using TuneIn, actually. I'm getting better numbers on TuneIn than I am iHeartRadio, and I'm getting better numbers on Spreaker than I am then. Uh, Stitcher stats, since they they, they run into uh, Blueberry and Libsyn, where I host a couple. I, I use actually both companies because I actually like what they do for podcasters. So my national show right now is on Blueberry. My my smaller shows are on Libsyn just because I can, can, can handle them better. And, uh, you know, I don't necessarily need X amount of this plan with this company and if it just whatever works. And I like the fact that Rob Walsh and Todd, Todd Cochran have been extremely helpful to people in the podcasting space. So I'm trying to, to basically patronize both of those companies because I know what they do for podcasters. But back to your original question, <laughs> which I believe was what podcast do I listen to? Yeah. So I think <laughs> I subscribe to about 50, but you know, some, you know, some that pod fade, some I, I will listen to and realize that I don't have any use for them or it's, it's con, con, you know, you see this with podcasts about podcasting yeah. and, and I'm not talking about uh, this show here. You know, I like your show and there's a couple other shows that are very similar where they interview podcasters and it's less about the tech and it's more about the personalities. I mean, there, there's some shows I've listened to from, uh, from this show here that I was like, Oh, this guy sounds interesting. I'll, I'll go listen to his show. Granted the the subject matter may not be something I'm interested in, but 
just hearing the interview, it's like, okay, I've listened to it. So this is a show I frequently listen to. You know, any new podcast show about podcasting, I'll listen to just to check it out. But, uh, you know, I think Podcast Methods 1 on 5 by 5 that they just put up, uh, you know, it's it's stuff that I've already heard from from Dave and, and Daniel. So I probably won't listen to that one too much more because you know, I've, I'm into this space for uh, time about a year and a half. So and I've been podcasting accidentally since 2008. Um, you know, I don't listen to the entrepreneur shows just mainly because I'm not an Internet marketer and I'm not out there trying to, you know, I don't need to build my list. I've got a fan base. I'm building my list. But I'm, I'm finding my, my weekly numbers are pretty good. People know about it. And I'm pretty much sticking to social media. Uh, I like Todd Cochran's Geek News Central. It helps me understand some of the tech out there, even though I'm not a tech guy. Uh, of course, the new media show, uh, the Audacity of Podcasts, po- uh, School of Podcasting, Ask the Podcast Coach. I listen to Cliff Ravenscraft a little bit. Sometimes is you know when I'll, I'll hear a, a topic that he's got. I'm like, you know what? Um, that's not something I'm interested in today. But you know, I'll come back and pick his other ones up and. Uh, I've downloaded every episode of Serial, have not listened to one of them yet. Uh, same thing with Startup. I think I listened to two of those shows. I've got them there. One show I found was called Soiled Restroom Cinema, and this is about, like, bad B-movies, and they basically oh, just nice. rip them apart. I love it. Uh, you know, your show, Podcast Junkies, is another one. Uh, Profit Cast is one I've listened to. And, again, I don't like to, to listen to the entrepreneur shows as much because I don't think they, they speak to what I'm trying to do. I'm doing something in an entrepreneurial manner that's different than people that are trying to, to break into podcasting. Um, you know, Mike and Isabella Russell over at uh, Music Radio Creative have a couple good shows that I listen to. Um, at Chael Sonnen's the one I mentioned earlier in the show. You're welcome. That show, it's on Podcast One. Love listening to that. Uh, you know, I keep up my shows. And, and, you know, it's a big mix of sports and and in podcast nerdy stuff. So it's uh, any, any, any competing, and I don't say competing, any podcast about wrestling, any fan podcast, I'll go out and listen to it. And, uh, you know, I actually saw a tweet the other day on somebody that said something. It's like our podcast. And I went to their Twitter page. And I'm like, hey, uh, what's up? Where, where can we find your show? He goes, oh, it's in uh, PR teams ahead. Production starts soon. I'm like, OK, I'll keep an eye on them. So mm-hmm. and of course, I, I enjoy the feed from Libsyn. And, you know, there's just so many different ones. It's all mostly nerdy stuff that where I can pick up. If I can pick up anything to help my show from the podcast about podcasting, I'll listen to it. And if it's just one of those uh clickbait type of shows it's pretty much going to be unsubscribed pretty quickly yeah the uh you mentioned somewhere in there <laughs> the uh the fact that you have podcast apps for your some of your shows is that uh are you using libsyn's thing or is something else just a custom app development thing that you've done or what how did you manage that yeah i use the three of the apps that i have are for old dominion virginia tech and maryland and those team shows they are through uh libsyn so uh looking at the numbers i'm, I'm fairly pleased with how they've been downloaded again they're free and you know i had to buy a, a samsung tablet just so i could test my android app so i knew what they look like because i'm pretty much a mac head through and through so uh, i'm actually very one school is really just soaking it up and downloading i mean i think i've almost got 200 apps downloaded uh, actually over 200 apps downloaded for that particular show and then the other ones are you know lagging behind mainly because i think that the i didn't get those shows out at the same time you know one started July one started October September so a, cu- a couple of them have a jump but uh, you know I'm looking at probably putting my my flagship show on an app here soon and I'll have to figure out what I'm going to do with that but uh, you know I've actually got the feeds uh, app I downloaded that to see what it would look like before I went forward with with the libs and offering and I got to say they've been great with with getting these things set up so I spent a lot of time in in redoing graphics in photoshop so they fit because they each have their own specific graphic and if you're one pixel off it it, it will reject it so a lot of uh, okay uh, you know and i write them all down check them all off but i i like the fact and that's a selling point that i can say is like you know that's part of the the setup fee it's like look with this show we can get you on an app and a lot of people are like oh really and it, you know, it's it's part of the package. I'm not upselling Libsyn at all. That's that's one thing that uh, when I talked to Rob Walsh about when I had this idea, you know, I'm not upselling. I'm not saying right. okay, yeah. charge me this extra to get the app. No, it's just built in to because everything is at cost with the hosting. I just make sure I cover my fees. Yeah, yeah, and that's again that makes sense. It keeps it simple, and I think that's a great way to go because um, it. You, you start charging upselling and then you have to remember, okay, did I charge these guys 10% or 15 or 20 or who would, and, uh, yeah, pretty quickly you can sort of talk yourself into a, a confusing, confusing circle just as I did with that sentence. So, uh, <laughs> the, that's a great list of shows. And I think, um, yeah, I'm all, I'm all for folks who, if you're, 
a junkie in terms of podcasts, listening and learning about this medium, there's tons of good stuff out there, and I love spreading the word around. Uh, and listen, I've listened to various points. Like you said, there there comes a point where you can't listen to the beginner podcast, just like any other medium. This is how to podcast kind of podcast anymore, and that's kind of why I started this show because I just wanted to sort of go to the next step of just talking to the folks about and the, the house, less of the how and more of the why. But um, but yeah, lots of lots of great resources out there. So that's awesome. Um, all right. Well, in wrapping up. Where can folks find you if uh, if they want to hear more from Jason Bryant? Yeah, if if you happen to be by chance a wrestling fan that's listening to this show and have never heard of me, uh, you go to matttalkonline.com. That is where you can find the Matt Talk Podcast Network that has links to all of my existing shows, including the flagship Short Time Wrestling Podcast. Usually if you search Matt Talk, uh, two words, on iTunes, it'll it'll bring up all my existing shows um, you know, on, I'm on Twitter personally at Jason M. Bryant. The show network is at Matt Talk Online. Uh, simple enough there. So um, pretty much I'm fairly prolific in the Google Plus communities and not so much the Facebook communities because there's just <laughs> it gets overrun. I like the Google uh, Plus communities, the podcasters and the podcasting technology resources communities. I'm, I'm fairly active there. So that's pretty much if you want to know anything about wrestling. Yeah, that's uh, I'm, I'm your guy. So MattTalkOnline.com. Nice is where everything is. Yeah, and that's I think the Google Plus stuff, which often I'll see people and people who are involved in podcasting make the like typical joke of oh Google Plus is just a ghost town and remember when we used to use Google Plus and all that kind of stuff. And there is actually like if you go to the within your topic, and I, I don't I can't speak for all other topics or niches, but definitely the podcasting community. There's a couple of good forums like you mentioned, and I'll put links in the show notes to them. But uh, that are great. There you get you see a wide variety of folks who who are podcasting in different ways and different techniques and different questions being asked and answered and resources and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and they do also do a great job, I think of keeping the, uh, there's certainly people in there who make money consulting on podcasting, but they kind of keep that to a minimum and it's genuinely helpful information that's kind of passed around. It's not just all spammy kind of come hire me to do your thing. And I mean, people are allowed to do that a little bit, but, um, but yeah, it's definitely worth checking out if you're looking for just a way to because often I find you can Google stuff and you can, but you don't know whether this is old news, new news, but that podcasting community on Google Plus, uh, a couple of them there anyways, you can get sort of current information of what's going on. Great yeah, and with start. that, I, I, oh, not to interrupt there, but I, I think some of the, the reason Google Plus is working for podcasters is the fact that a lot of them are using Google Hangouts or Hangouts on Air to, to get that guest rather than using Skype. So, you know, you, you connect your Google account and it just it's a natural base that's there. And with that, you know, you, you see Rob Walsh, Todd Cochran, Daniel Zay Lewis, uh, you know, Dave Jackson, all in those podcast communities. And, and as you said, yeah, a lot of those guys are consultants, but they don't they're not pitching their project. You know, I, I think there was a conversation uh, yesterday. It's somebody had said something. Hey, listen to my show. And then one of the comments was uh, you might want to check your show art because there's an F-bomb on it. And that could be, you know, that could remove it from iTunes. And the response was kind of terse. And I was like, dude, the guy's just trying to help you out. He's like, I know what I'm doing. And then all of a sudden that whole thread got got removed because somebody got pissy that somebody was telling him, hey, this is it was a public service announcement, basically. And the guy didn't want to hear it. And it was like, had nothing to do with my post. So I'm not going to, you know, I think he's since removed it. He replied a couple of times. I got the email updates. I clicked the post and the thread was gone. So I'm like, all right, you know what? People are just trying to help. They weren't trying to make money off of you. But uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. I mean, people need to be, I mean, people are there to help. And in those communities, you do get a lot of the repeated questions. And I think they, the people don't, you know, become trolls when it's like, oh, well, you know, somebody will actually put a link. Hey, this is addressed here. Situation done. Be like, dude, read the, read the other posts. I mean, I think with the Google plus podcast community, you're getting a generally nicer group yeah. of people discussing things versus, you know, what, what's that, what's that rule? Don't read the comments. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, just the underbelly of society that knows how to use a computer, but you're not seeing that in these podcasting groups, which is nice. Yeah, exactly. And it's, uh, they do a great job too of the, you know, here's where you can do some promotion of your thing and here's where we're just going to talk about stuff and we're not going to always, you know, promote our thing or whatever. And, and you're allowed to like the, it. Yeah. There's moderators, but it's not like the overbearing, you know, don't mention this. If you do that, you're getting kicked out kind of discussions that often happen forums and things on the internet. So, um, good job, Google on that one anyways, so far. <laughs> so, um, all right, well, that's brings us to the end of this episode. Um, as well as, or as always, you can find the links and, and things we discussed at goodstuff.fm slash smym 
slash 67. Uh, my thanks to Campaign Monitor for supporting good stuff and Show Me Your Mic. If you'd like to support Show Me Your Mic and uh, my podcasting efforts, you can do so on my Patreon, patreon.com slash iChris. I'm iChris on the Twitter and uh, Show Me Your Mic is S-M-Y-M underscore F-M on Twitter. Visit uh, goodstuff.fm for other shows that uh, you may be of interest in. Uh, Tuesday afternoons recording live uh, is a show called The East Wing with Tim Smith, interview show with uh, creative types from the web. And every Tuesday and Thursday mornings, uh, check local listings at goodstuff.fm slash schedule for uh, transmission, which records, uh, I have terrible time zones, 9 o'clock for me, it's whatever for you <laughs> and uh kenny and kyle roderick uh, two brothers recorded a live sort of morning show with a bit of a geek science bent and uh, i think you'll really like it thanks for listening have a great day bye 